Blog Talk Radio. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome back to another segment with I Thought I Told You. This is your host, CJ. And this is another segment of my Mental Health Mondays. And today we're going to talk about finding our roots when it comes to depression. So I kind of want to pose the question, right? If we got to the root of all our problems, our pains, our wounds, anything that leads us to a place where it breeds hopelessness and despair, a place where darkness is the light. All right, so I just quoted Rihanna from Disturbia. <laughs> uh, lyrics from the, her, her lyrics from Disturbia, the whole darkness is the light. But basically, like, the point of it all is that there's always a root cause to everything, to, to those wounds, to those pains. There's always a root cause. So today I want to get into the root causes of depression. And from this, we're going to discuss some of the, some of the kind of the main root causes. Now with depression, there's, it's kind of tricky. There isn't a singular thing you can point to. Okay, say this is a, this is a, a sole cause of depression. It doesn't necessarily work like that. And a lot of these causes, they are situational, hormonal, biological, seasonal, kind of what we talked about last week with seasonal affective uh, disorder or seasonal depression. And you have the interpersonal. And then it's one that I want to introduce. You have the existential. So I want to start with situational first. And that's usually caused by a lot of external events. So when we say situational, you're talking about the death or loss of a loved one, dealing with that grief within itself is enough to kind of just overtake a person. And it just becomes too much to bear. The grief alone, it, it, it leads you to that depression. Well, for some or a lot of people, uh, dealing with that loss and grief of a loved one, it's enough to kind of send them to that place. And it increases that risk of depression. Now, I also want to talk about abuse, especially within the past. Um, when we deal with abuse, we talk about physical, sexual, and emotional. And then when you're dealing with that level of trauma, it increases that vulnerability for depression. And especially when you, when you this would say we're talking about uh, for children that deal with that level of trauma and abuse, they're more likely to fall into depression, especially dealing with adulthood. And one thing I want to point out as well before I get to to another factor is is basically bullying. Bullying is definitely on a rise as far as depression. Uh, bullying has been kind of been to the forefront now. It's always been there, but bullying also is another key factor in terms of when we say situational um, when it comes to depression. So other factors, you're talking about job loss, 
finances, you in the risk of being evicted, getting divorced, there's problems and conflicts within the family. A lot of times you're dealing with substance abuse, uh, drugs, alcohol, and you just and, and also being isolated. And just the sheer fact of being isolated. So you also have a lot of those come into play when we talk about the situational the situational factors. Now I want to move on to the biological causes. And a lot of that is triggered by our own genetics. And we may have a family history of depression. And that's another thing that kind of can get overlooked because I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I didn't think, you know, dealing with that there was a biological connection to depression. I just thought that this was something that you dealt with individually. Little did I know that having that familial history, that having that lineage of, of depression within your family can very much affect it. So I, I know for a fact I was ignorant to that because I didn't think, I was like, what, you know? Now, what, what, is that, what does that have to do with me? I'm my own individual person. No, genetics plays a, a key factor in it. Then I want to get to the intrapersonal, intrapersonal causes, which when we say intrapersonal causes, it, that comes from this, these beliefs and these perceptions that we have about ourselves. It's like that feeling of not being good enough, like you're just never enough. You're never good enough. And on top of that, if you dealt with constant betrayal, rejection, heartache, all that begins to pile on, and you form these negative, these negative beliefs about yourself. All oh, this is always going to happen to me. Oh no, nothing, nothing good happens to me. And that kind of snowballs. That snowballs, and, and, and you you begin to form these negative perceptions that you have about yourself. And this, and that often leads to the low self-esteem, low self-worth. And that kind of snowballs, all that kind of, it's like an avalanche rolled up in, rolled up in one. And we also set these unrealistic expectations for ourselves. I have, for a fact, been guilty of that. I have these high standards, and I fall into this cycle, you know, have these high standards, high expectations for myself, and then sometimes for others. And then when that doesn't get met, I begin to spiral. You know, it's kind of like, and then you set yourself up, you know, when you don't meet these high expectations, you don't meet these standards we have for ourselves. And then we have this feeling of letdown. And then there goes that negative self-talk. Uh, you know, you, you stupid. Like, what's going on? Why why you, why did you do this? What, what you know, you, you begin to analyze every little thing, every little thing, every little move that you make. And you go back and you nitpick. And then you constantly beat yourself up about what you didn't do, what you should have done, and should have, could have, would have, you didn't meet these expectations. And then on top of that, I want to throw in, we have the societal expectations as well. I'm going to throw in, you know, social media becomes the forefront. We see a lot of, you know, things on social media. And, uh, for example, you know, Instagram. You see some people getting married, some people coming up into their careers are successful, and you're thinking, like, oh, man, 
dang, I, I, you feel like, you know, something's missing within you. You feel like, what am I doing in my life? And, and then, you know, you have that comparison with, with these people on social media, and you never know what they might be going through. Everybody has their own journey. But then you, you begin to compare yourself, you know, and that goes back to these expectations that you have. And, you know, not living up to it. And so when you see that online, you're thinking, man, what am I doing in my life? I'm not doing enough in my life. And that begins to ensue. And that begins to perpetuate that cycle. And then here comes that negative, harsh talk. And that begins, and then, you know, thus in turn that cycle, that wheel. Now I want to get into my fourth point, um, Existential depression. Now, existential depression is basically having that lack of meaning, that lack of purpose, and that connection to our soul. Why would I bring this up? So I, I say that because the feeling, you have this feeling of emptiness, the feeling that most things in life are meaningless, like, you know, what's the point of life? like you having these deep thoughts about your entire existence, your purpose and your meaning. Why was I born? What happens after death? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And whatever your faith or belief is, you know, you tend to ask your God or, you know, whatever your faith is, you know, why, why did you create me? What's going on? What's the point? You know? And that feeling, you also, that feeling of being misunderstood. You feel you know, disconnected from others in society and just you starting to feel like you just don't belong altogether. And at this point, you try to find anything to fill this void, to give your life some kind of meaning and purpose. And it's like you're on that cycle of path just to find some type of meaning and purpose. But until then, you find these distractions uh, and voids and anything to fill that void. Well, you know, bringing up existential depression, that's important because that, that kind of deals with more so the soul and, you know, that, that feeling of lack of purpose, lack of belonging, lack of meaning with our lives. So I continue with depression. You know, we discussed it last week with the seasonal depression, but I want to continue with depression because essentially, well, for one, we're in the season where it begins to heighten. It rears its ugly head the most. You know, we're in the winter season. Um, winter, you know, it's perceived as quote unquote dark, especially in most, a lot of areas where you don't see sun at all. And depression is like the top factor. I want to point out, more importantly, so not just the seasonal, but Depression leads to suicide. Approximately 90% of those that commit suicide have a mental illness. And guess what? Depression is the top factor. Now, at this point, you think suicide is the only way out. You just want the pain to go away. And for those loved ones, some of the signs to look for, when you feel like someone's about to take their own life, someone's about to attempt suicide, I know for me, one of the main things I notice is that if a person already have a plan in place, they already know what they're going to do. They have this plan in place. Boom, 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 boom. This is what I'm going to This is how I'm going to go out. You know, I have this plan in place. And if you, if you begin to notice that and if they, you know, tell you that, 
Boom, that's already red flags. Ring your alarm, that's red flags already, right there. If that plan is in place, best believe they're ready to they're ready to do the do. Next I want to get into just straight up reckless behavior. You, you I mean when you, when I say reckless behavior, you have the excess of drugs, alcohol, some people get behind that will, or whatever, just in excess, you have this need to just kind of, I want to say overdo it, but overdo it in a sense. And at this point, when you're dealing with that excess and reckless behavior, you don't give a damn. If you you, you die drinking, driving, whatever, the, you, you, it's like the point of that, you just kind of want that pain to go away, that, that pain to be gone. And another sign I notice, you know, when noticing signs of, of um, suicide is when someone begins to just give away all their stuff, all their possessions, all their belongings. You're just giving it away. And then some cases you see people just drawing up a will. And, you know, with that and they're giving their things away, they're drawing up a will, that definitely can bring up some red flags. I know for me it, it is those so those they're they're those are some of the three signs that I notice. More importantly, with all that said, if you do notice those red flags, please contact nine one one or any local emergency. And as always, if you are feeling the need to want to take your life to want to end it all, please reach out to a loved one. Reach out for that help. And the suicide prevention lifeline is one eight hundred. And for veterans, you're going to contact the same number, which is 1-800-273-8255. You're going to press 1. And that's the the veteran crisis line. And they're available 24-7. Trust me, they're available 24-7. And with that, I want to leave y'all on that note. I wish y'all nothing but light, love, and happiness. And have a beautiful day. Peace.